The show that doesn't grab them by the but does occasionally kick them in the ball. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome to it. Well, it's decision day, and I have got a lot of stuff to cover on it, including, oh my God, some feelings around, well, certain machinations of where this country is going. It's just a midterm show today, but before we get to all of that, hey, some brief introductions are in line. Welcome to my show. Hi, I'm Shaggy Jenkins, critical thinker, problem solver, guy just left of normal insane and always centered in common sense and found conveniently online at shaggyjenkins.com or wherever fine social media is served. Just look for me somewhere around, I don't know, at Shaggy Live. Okay, we have got to dive into today's big, big story, which is, of course, whoo, the 2018 midterm elections. What has been called the ultimate battle by so many different opinion papers that it is ridiculous right now. But let's go into some of the actual ridiculous things that's happening, okay? We begin our ridiculousness in the heart of some of the craziest stories out of the 2018 election. I'm talking, of course, about the governor race happening right now in Georgia. Now, this is, uh, of course, between Brian Kemp, the Republican, and, of course, the Democrat Stacey Abrams. What Brian Kemp is doing right now, though, borders on the ridiculous. Ridiculousness. Okay, uh, let's just go through this. The the race is in the final, final hours. And Kemp basically said that there is a concentrated hacking effort. Now, he, he says this, not being an IT person, not having any actual IT uh, people approach him about this problem, uh, not having the CIA, the NSA, or the FBI approach him and say that he has been uh, kind of the victim or at least the target of hacking. No, with no evidence whatsoever, Brian Kemp has launched a whole big initiative into trying to make sure that the elections in Georgia are not being hacked. But this is the thing. This is another ploy, and we talked about this yesterday on the show. This is yet again another ploy to kind of undermine either GOP losses or the credibility of Democratic victories. One of the things that's kind of become very evident in this election right now is the fact that, let's just be honest, oh my God, uh, things are a little off the rails as far as who is really at war. And it does seem that in this election that people of color and women and Democratic women specifically uh, seem to be the target time and time and time again of the ire of these Republicans that, that are up against them in certain districts. Now, in Georgia's race, look, Stacey Abrams has already had to fight a long way uphill just to make sure that uh, everybody that can vote, well, well, everybody that wants to vote can vote. Uh, I, I say that because if you've been following the stories out of Georgia, not too long ago, actually on this show, we had talked about it. Um, <clears throat> they had had an entire kind of movement for, you know, positive ID or exact match ID that 
let's just go ahead and say, discriminated along very, very racial lines. And, of course, in a, in a mild victory for the ACLU and other people involved in it, uh, that decision in court uh, basically was was overturned and said, no, you have to allow some, God, I can't remember how many thousands of people it was, uh, you have to allow them to vote because, face it, you're basically trying to manipulate or gerrymand this election. Now, Republicans have been, this is the thing, they have been the benefactor in the past election cycle of quote-unquote hacking, Okay, And I say quote-unquote hacking because there's a lot of different things that fall under the category of hacking, some of them that don't actually involve computers. If you don't believe me, look up something called social hacking. You will be amazed. Um, But that's for a different show. And just only a little footnote in the whole scheme of things that, that is at play here in the midterm elections. Okay, so when it comes... To Republicans. They have, at the last election cycle, they've been the ones that Democrats, people to the left, and let's just face it, investigators and oh, how many dozens of indictments later, um, have been shown to be the, at least, beneficiaries of hacking schemes in the past. But because the hacking the election thing is now a buzzword, is now kind of a big deal, guess what? They, they kind of use it as a defense and saying that, oh, no, it was actually the other side hacking the whole time. And, and we're going to make sure that we tighten down on things so that they can't steal our victory from us. Look, if you're rightfully voted out of office by the electorate that that was rightfully and legally allowed to participate in said election, I think that's not having your power absurd so much as it's being voted out out that's how democracies function i'm pretty sure i read that somewhere but this thing with brian kemp though is he's trying to already ahead of what's looking like it's going to be a very very contentious battle between him and stacy abrams um he's already trying to do much like trump is on the national stage and delegitimize the strives that democrats have made, especially in deep red safe territories. Georgia, of course, well, any of the Bible Belt South really being some of those safest of safe areas. And it seems like this time, not so safe. And that has them trying to kind of delegitimize in any way possible, in any way, shape or form, whether it be through gerrymandering, which is probably going to be a huge, huge story if Gillum wins Florida because, trust me, Florida is one of the most heavily gerrymandered in the Republican-favored state, and I know that every district and every party tries to gerrymander in their favor, but right now things are really messed up in Florida towards one end. So that's something that could come up from there, but when it comes to Brian Kemp, he does have the benefit of Georgia being one of those gerrymandered for the Republicans benefit kind of states. So if he is already out there before the election results are known and he's saying that, oh, we're going to launch this investigation into hacking. We're going to make sure that this is a, a good, clean fight. He's really trying to say, 
Even when they win, I am trying to make you question the legitimacy of that victory. It's 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 trying on a massive scale to tilt the public away from seeing the election results as valid. Now, this is a very interesting thing because what Brian Kemp is doing, and this is going to be very ironic, okay? Brian Kemp is actually hacking. Remember that thing earlier I said was a small footnote to this whole big story? It's called social hacking. Well, it doesn't use any components of any sort of electronics. It just uses a smooth-talking character with a good story. Somebody that can paint a narrative that is so believable, so enticing, that it elicits whatever results that they're looking for from whatever target they've picked. And when it comes to Brian Kemp, he is socially hacking right now. Not only trying to rile up his base and saying that this is not just a vote, which, okay, guys, I don't know how to tell you this is just another election cycle. Yes, it's contentious. Yes, there's a lot of things on the table. But at the end of the day, at a long view of history later, this is just another election. But Republicans and some Democrats, but especially Republicans right now, want to turn this into an all-out culture war. And they're going to use some very... Mm, kind of underhanded ways of doing things and convincing you, the public, that only their narrative is the one that you should follow. It's political polarization at its best. And when it comes to Brian Kemp, he is social hacking right now in the fact that if he loses, which, let's just be honest, it's going to be a squeaker if he wins, If he loses, he is going to have to, in front of all of his constituency, in front of the people that represent his party, both at the state and the national level, he's going to have to eventually answer for what went wrong. And it's a lot easier in this day and age to lay your blame on somebody else, to basically say, no, 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 I didn't lose because I am a total fecal matter stacked into a suit of a human being. I didn't lose because I'm a terrible person at the very core of my identity. No, I lost because some some evil, nefarious cyber entity, unnamed, with no supporting evidence and no proof whatsoever... That is the reason I lost the election. And that's the narrative that Republican after Republican, not just Brian Kemp, is going to start trying to paint in the aftermath of this election. If it doesn't go in their favor, it's not going to come down to I did a terrible job or I represented a terrible cause or agenda. It's I was the victim of an attack. And look. I know the United States right now is deeply embroiled in identity politics. It's one of the things that Trump thrives on. The white identity is being wiped away. Please vote for the GOP and make all those immigrants go away. Yes, the Donald Trump please elect me song. And he's not even on the ticket this time. 
But we've covered in the past of how he's been doing certain things, right? Of how he's been amping up kind of anti-immigration rhetoric, how he's been in the midst of just trying to lie after lie after lie to his base so that he can polarize them to vote for him. But much like Brian Kemp's efforts in Georgia, he too has been doing a little bit of this pivot saying, look, if the Democrats win, it's because of a bunch of illegal people voting. It's because of uh, hacking. It's because of, you know, the man and the deep state was against me and not that I am representing a terrible policy that nobody is really digging right now and that the whole child separation thing is fresh on our minds. No, none of that. No, he's basically saying that the only thing, the only thing right now that is standing between him and absolute victory is consolidating his power. This is Brian Kemp, by the way, in Georgia. It's the fact that people are hacking his election. But that means that we have to actually say, okay, what is it that spurred him to say this? All right, all right. I'm going to teach you a little bit about cybersecurity. One, everybody is worried about it because we hype it up, you know, on news shows like this. All the time, we, we, we scare the bejesus out of you when it comes to cybersecurity, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, that's reason number one. Two, it kind of behooves groups from time to time to check themselves before they get wrecked themselves by other hackers. And as such, what had happened was is there, there was a vulnerability that was revealed uh, through, well, and there was an investigative outlet called Who, What, Why, and Associated Press, lawyers representing the election security groups that were behind this basically received a tip from a private citizen that it was possible to change voter information. So this triggered a, well, person by the name of David Cross to alert the FBI and Kemp's office. And that's where things got crazy because the Democrats, uh, the Democratic Party of Georgia, consulted their own security experts who basically confirmed, yeah, there's a vulnerability there. And then they passed that information on to the the, the FBI, well, Kemp is saying that, no, that attempt to monitor or double-check allegations of a security flaw was actually hacking. And that's like saying to a locksmith who just built a key to help you get into your house that he hacked your lock, not that he made a check of your locks or he did something that was at your request. Now, this is just a weird kind of distraction thrown here in the 11th hour. And out of Georgia, you would, eh, God, you would expect it, right? But there's other states, too, that are finding themselves in a little bit of a turmoil. And, I mean, I could jump to the national stage here at this point, but I'm not going to because we have to talk about a little district in Iowa and a guy by the name of Steve King. No, not the horror author, but definitely a horrible guy. Look, he is a congressman, and he's been with the whole district, uh, oh God, one of the biggest districts in Iowa, uh, District 2, for a long time. But during that time, he's not exactly been cozying up to the type of people that you would respect 
uh, I mean, expect the party that respects family values to 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 cozy up to. Um, you see, Steve King has been for the longest time very right wing, nationalistic, even making comments online. Uh, God, through his Twitter account about how um, cultural assault through demographic changing. In other words, uh, letting minorities breed. That was really a quote from him. Uh, he said it must end now. Uh, yeah, okay. And the thing is, is that's not the, the creepiest or craziest racist thing he said, nor is it the most creepiest action from Steve King that you really have to worry about. You see... Even though he's found a pretty sympathetic crowd in Iowa lately of about 40 supporters to gather around and say, I am a victim. Yeah, the GOP seems to be playing the victim card a lot here. But not only does he say that, he basically says that this scheme to make him the victim was, quote, more diabolic and more devious than we've ever seen. But is it a conspiracy? Well, first off, no, because all that people have been doing lately is uncovering certain acts and certain people that he's been linked to. And, and those people and things that he's been linked to are pretty bad. You see, not only has he recently cozied up to some pretty extreme white nationalist kind of groups, and, and I say white nationalists because there is a difference between Oh, God, I hate to admit this. There's a difference between these people that think being a nationalist isn't being a racist and people that know it is being a racist, and they call themselves white supremacists. I mean, essentially, nationalist and supremacist are the same exact thing, but they try to distinguish by that, okay, little caveat, I nuance, people. Apparently, the world is full of it. But at the end of the day, they're both pretty terrible groups. And both of those groups have found a very outspoken friend in Steve King. Now, here's the thing. When it comes to King, he's been cozying up to open white supremacists. And when he's been confronted with these ties, he's always kind of ducked out of them. And in, in, in one of his recent interviews, he actually told the reporter, if you bring up questions of my links to white supremacy one more time, I'm going to shut this whole press conference down. That is, and I mean, in, the question was, are you a white supremacist? I would think the answer should be, I, I, I could be wrong here. I don't want to be wrong, but I could be wrong here. It's very easy to say, no, right? Okay, so the answer should have been, okay, it could have been yes, but at least then that would have been an answer. Instead, Steve King has, has kind of like made a point of whenever he's confronted with any kind of questions about his possible links to white supremacist groups, his possible alleged white supremacist statements that he's made not only behind closed doors, but in open remarks on Twitter, um, when he's confronted with these things, instead of coming out and, and, and yelling, 
yay or nay, I'm a white supremacist, he, he basically accuses people of trying to attack his character. Now, I know what you're thinking. A guy that is cozied up with actual white supremacists cannot be that hard to, to, to kind of discern from an actual good guy, right? Well, remember that little rally I said that he had? And it's not really a rally. It was kind of a room full of mourners of Steve King's career. Uh, but th this room of people have taken, God, I guess you could say the blue pill, the one that lets them live in la-la land. Because to people that were there, including like some old, old-timey guys, like a 69-year-old retired attorney named Mark Anderson, uh, they say that despite all of the stuff that, that is known about Steve King's comments about minorities, but despite all the things that he has said openly in front of groups that are eh, vaguely white supremacists, they're white supremacists, but they pretend not to be. It's, it's kind of like how Marjorie pretends to be butter, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's still a yellow stick. <sighs> but this is the thing. Those people in that room, including like uh, former attorneys and, you know, former politicians uh, of Steve King, uh, under his under his kind of leadership, they see strength and somebody willing to fight to take the country back. And this is the thing. Whenever I hear somebody say that they support a candidate because they're going to, quote-unquote, take the country back, I have to ask myself, and, and you do too, let's just be honest, we have to ask ourselves, from who? Who took the country, okay? To whom are we going to take the country back from? These are legitimate questions that are very simple on the surface, but... Guys like Steve King, when you confront him with it, he don't really want to answer it. But the thing is, is that supporters of him see this this latest round of allegations. Okay, okay, actual taped recordings and statements that we've taken from his Twitter. So unless his fingers are possessed by a, a very tech-savvy Confederate soldier, he said those horrible things online. Um... He says that all of this stuff, and his supporters too, think that all of these attacks on Steve King just is a game. A game that, 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 that seems to be taken up by every Democrat, of every liberal, of every uh, illegal immigrant. You, uh, yeah, you, yeah, no. It doesn't take too long for me to tell you who the GOP enemies are before <laughs> the list starts to sound like a racist shopping list. But... When it comes to people like King, people like Brian Kemp, and we're going to talk about it in just a sec, people especially like how Donald Trump has been trying to ramp up things in the last couple of days, including bombshells that he dropped on Monday. Yeah, okay, um, we could get to all of that in a sec, but all of this stuff leads to one single picture. Hacking is real. The Republicans are doing it on a social level. And guys like Steve King, despite being hacks, still 
are doing a good job of convincing some people, despite all their outlandish statements, despite all their horrible things that they have aligned themselves with, despite the groups that they have cozied up to just to maintain political favor. And that's one of the saddest things that we have to think about in this country right now. A lot of the GOP started cozying up to these white supremacist groups the second Donald Trump took power because that signaled, the president's election signaled that that was the direction the country was going to go. They took cues from the president. Man, a whole show yesterday about all the stuff that he's actually tied to in name and in, in, in court. Well, this is something out of court that you can tie him directly into. The GOP knows that the people that support Donald Trump, people that have been shown to be less than 6% of this country, seem to be pulling all the strings within the GOP. And that's why guys like Steve King have kind of maintained favor for so long. But now that these guys are starting to feel more empowered to come out and say their racist things, not behind closed doors, not in whispered little tones between them and their cohorts, to say them loudly, not only on social media, but in public statements, more and more of them are getting outed. And Steve King is kind of one of those guys flying below the radar for, okay, not that long, actually. Uh, he was kind of outed right at the beginning. But usually when you have allegations and stuff like that, it dies down after a while and you just kind of follow the public record. You don't look back at the things he does. That is, if he doesn't circle back around and go to those horrible people again. Well, in the case of Steve King and in district after district across the United States, what we're seeing is not a magnitude of racist or terrible activity. We're seeing a magnitude of expressing the racist and terrible activity that has been there at the forefront all along. And Steve King is one of these guys that he knows to cozy up to his base. He can be as racist as he wants to be. And they're not going to leave him. But when it comes to moderates, when it comes to centrists, when it comes to independents, that kind of stuff is starting to get scrutinized a whole lot more. The problem is, though, is much like Brian Kemp and we'll talk about him in just a sec, Donald Trump, with how he is coming out, Steve King, and saying all of these things are, are out to get him, he too is playing the... I'm delegitimizing the Democratic's victory should it happen. And that is some dangerous sabotage politics. Coming up, we'll talk about how the president tried to sabotage the Dems before the polls even opened. And more. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show. Welcome to 60 Second Civics, the daily podcast of the Center for Civic Education. I'm Mark Gage. Americans have had a tradition of written guarantees of rights since the time of the 13 colonies. The Massachusetts Body of Liberties of 1641 provides a good example. This document provided for the rule of law and the protection of the basic rights of the colony's inhabitants against abuse by colonial magistrates. It also guaranteed trial by jury, free elections, and the right of free men to own property. It protected against cruel and unusual punishment. 
government seizure of private property without fair compensation, and forced self-incrimination during trials. These protections would later appear in federal bills of rights added to the Constitution in 1791. Because of its extensive written guarantees, the Massachusetts Body of Liberties can be considered to be America's first Bill of Rights. That's all for today's podcast, 60-Second Civics, where civic education only takes a minute. There's a lot at stake this November. 36 governorships. 35 Senate seats. And all 435 House seats are up for election. If only 50% of voters show up, it would be the highest midterm turnout in a century. Learn more and get involved at IamAVoter.com. And don't forget to vote Tuesday, November 6th. Brought to you by I Am A Voter and the Ad Council. This is the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show all the way from the city of Pugalani, Hawaii. Aloha and welcome back. Look, if you miss any part of the first part of this show, hey, feel free to stop by our website, shaggyjenkins.com, or follow me on social media. Yeah, you can find the show on Spotify and Stitcher and hey, if you're on it, yeah, drop over to uh, Patreon and give us just a little bit of support for doing this show. We would much appreciate it. Just look for the Shaggy Jenkins Show on Spotify, Stitcher, and, of course, <sighs> Patreon. And then on social media, at Shaggy Live. Uh, look, we have got to talk about how the president has been ramping up rhetoric. And, and I know that this has been a, a theme for weeks, and, and this is not going to be the end of it, okay? If you thought that after today's elections, once it's all said and done, that no matter which way it falls out, the rhetoric will end, you are wrong. God, I wish you weren't, but you are. Because the thing is, is that this is going to be a pattern throughout however many terms Donald Trump ends up serving. (gasps) Perish the scary thought, but that's just it. In these last couple of hours where he has been on this marathon kind of stomping session for uh, (laughs) for his embattled GOP. And that's the thing, too. Think about it. The president who should be running the country is instead in a midterm election where he is not on the ballot in full campaign mode. Now, you could probably say, well, isn't it a little weird that a former president on the other side is in full campaign mode? And nah, eh, not really. That's kind of typical, actually. When they're out of office, they get bored and want to give some speeches. Plus, it's good money. But getting back to Donald Trump, he has been on the stump lately. And when I say that, I mean the stump that's out in the middle of the forest that's screaming towards the trees that cannot pay attention or... (laughs) validate anything that he's actually saying because if you are paying attention and you do want to go through the process of validating some of the stuff he says you have got to get ready to strap yourself in to the crazy train and ride it all the way down now i know that if you're a fan of donald trump it's like oh god here's another guy saying donald trump's crazy donald trump's crazy no 
I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the things that he says that are invalid and not true, those things are crazy and they can have crazy results for people not crazy enough to validate information. So essentially I am saying it's pretty crazy. But okay, here's the thing. He has never really been, um, let's say, subject to reality. Let's say that Donald Trump has never ascribed himself of being attached to logic at times, okay? Uh, Fairness, um, um, you know, non-judgmental, non-biased, objective. These are things that are divorced of Donald Trump, okay? But lately... He's been going out in front of people and trying to paint this apocalyptic picture, this horrible situation of what would happen if the Democrats take over uh, in a big blue wave. And some of the things that he says are amazingly crazy, okay? Like, besides the stuff of saying that Democrats now, in government, Democrats now, basically run around like they are a full-time uh, protest group, like they are the resistance, nothing but. They have armbands and secret handshakes. I made that last part up. I realize how terrible it sounds to compare government officials to Nazis when there's actual Nazis running for office right now. My bad. Moving on, though, uh, Donald Trump has accused uh, uh, high-level Democrats of, of behaving in, in kind of a mm, secret, nefarious, let's get the Republicans out of office and ruin this country kind of way. And I know what you're thinking. Ruin this country? Come on, he, he hasn't said that. Yeah, yeah, he said that. Now, he's also said that, that Democrats have... <laughs> have demonstrators run around in black uniforms and black helmets. But, you know, they have weak little faces and can go back home to their mommy's basement. Uh, He's also said things like, the worst scum of the earth is in that migrant caravan that is still months away from reaching anywhere close to the United States border. He leaves that second part out. But he says those people are are definitely a, a part of the Democrats' plan. They're invading America. They're taking over the legitimacy of our ballot. They're going to vote illegally wherever they can get their terrible little immigrant hands into. This is the way that Donald Trump presents things. Not people who are hungry, who are tired, who are tired of being shot at and tired of being hungry— Dan may be hungry for a different life of not being tired. Um, these people are months away from the United States. They're asylum seekers. They're not anything to do with us right now. Some of them might not even make it here. I say that hopefully with the guise of they'll find work and places to settle in countries along the way. Maybe Mexico, who's having a kind of economic revitalization happening right now. But a lot of them might come up here. And they'll try to come through a very legally and lawfully respected way of seeking asylum after crossing the border, however they may. Uh, That's legal, once again, to ask for asylum when you're already in the country that you want asylum from. It's one of those big international deals that we made a long time ago. But... Donald Trump has said that this group of people, these tired, poor refugees, the people that the Statue of Liberty specifically was written to address, you know, a little tablet, give me your tired, poor, huddled masses. It was made by a female poet when they had a competition of what should be on there. 
and she thought that was the most beautiful thing about America. You're tired, poor, huddled masses yearning to be free. That part is going to be rewritten if you're not from the S-hole countries or brown. Come on in. Please be from Norway. I, I'm pretty sure that they're not going to be uh, able to put that all on the Statue of Liberty's tablet, but they will try. <laughs> but in this election, Donald Trump has said that, look, when it comes right in, to when it comes right down to it, okay, Democrats are basically the party of people that say, hey, if you're a terrible person, if you're an MS-13, if you're a gangster, if you're a pedophile, if you're a rapist, if you're Middle Eastern, which I love how that is the crime. When you looked at the GOP's latest, you know, anti, anti-immigration, pro-racism, oh my God, are we still in the Civil War? And is Donald Trump secretly a Confederate president? Because I'm going to say there's a possibility that that's the case. But when it comes to Donald Trump and painting this picture of what Democrats are, he says they're basically like saying, hey, fly right in, folks, come on in. We don't care who the hell you are. Come on in. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is, yeah, we do care who they are. Because if they're seeking asylum, we kind of want to make sure that we give them that asylum because that's the decent and good thing to do, like Mr. Rogers used to teach us. Remember him? Oh, God, I bet he's glad he's dead. Uh, look, the thing about this whole thing is, is like, Making fictitious statements about Fred Rogers aside and all the little funny remarks I'm squeezing in here, some of them not that funny. The thing that we see is as far as Donald Trump, as close as it gets to the election, the closer it gets, I should say, to the election, the more he is able to amp up the falsehoods. Now, he has said that Democrat Stacey Abrams, if, if she gets the leadership of governor. She's immediately going to strip away the Second Amendment right. But uh, here's the thing. She can't do that. She's a governor. And if you know how the government is set up, uh, governors cannot change the Constitution. Okay? If so, boy, would we have a weird, weird constitution between the southern states and uh, us here on the islands. There's a lot of country between us and a lot of strangeness. So Donald Trump, though, has said, hey, Stacey Abrams wins. She's, she's going to be one of those people that takes away your, your Second Amendment rights. He has basically started to predict that, you know what? As soon as, as soon as we, we get these Democrats in here, these, this invasion of this blue wave, as soon as they take the house, they're going to take your money. They're going to raise your taxes. Now, keep in mind, he's been promising a kind of a false carrot for a while of a 10% tax cut or more to the middle class. Never really manifested. His tax cut ended up being for the top one percenters of the country. You remember that whole shenanigan thing? Yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, the thing is, is that <clears throat> Donald Trump has been saying, because he is so detached from reality, I guess he could say this, that a blue wave that is perpetuated by this invasion of dangerous, illegal immigrants, this this whole deboardering of the United States, the let chaos rule anarchy of the 
big blue demons. Um, he's saying that after all this is said and done, they're going to come for your money. And he takes it past that point. Now, the thing is, is that he is kind of upset that that ad that he had put out has been dropped not only from Fox. Yeah, Fox News dropped a Trump ad because they thought it was too racist. Let that sink in real quick. Okay, moving on. So did NBC and a couple of other outlets like CNN and a few other. They, they, they just saw this latest ad, this, this racial hatred ad that Donald Trump's camp came up with and said, Hell no, we will not show. But in that dangerous ad and Donald Trump's, well, <clears throat> messaging in it, he thinks that this is the issue that will get people out to the polls. Now, he could be right. He really could be right. But those people, if they come out to the polls after they see that and say, oh, my God, we got to stop all this crazy stuff that I just saw in this this Republican propaganda message, they're going to be majorly disappointed when reality comes along and shows them what's really happening. But in this ad, Donald Trump has saw the Republicans' future, the cornerstone, the thing that was going to allow them to turn around the, the dreadful trend lately of the GOP numbers going down. That this will be the hill that they will start Strike their flag on, and it will be absolutely a big old victory for everybody involved. Turns out, maybe, maybe not, okay? Because in this whole big escalation that Donald Trump put this message forward in, a lot of people have seen a president that might have been a little too unchecked and has went to a bridge a little too far with this whole who's the enemy sort of thing. Now remember, the ad goes through and says that the migrant caravan, without any evidence, is comprised of MS-13 gang members, of criminals, of sexual predators, Middle Easterners. Seriously, they don't say like bad Middle Easterners or Islamic Middle East, just people from the Middle East. That is, in the GOP's mind, enough for you to be considered dangerous and a criminal element. And if you're somebody from the Middle East and you're a naturalized citizen or a natural-born citizen here, after your naturalized parents struggled to get into this country, you got to be seeing statements like that and going, what the hell is up with that? Seriously? Okay, but yeah. It is one of the things. Now, the problem with this is that that is the art of Donald Trump's campaigning, is to say something crazy, and then as soon as somebody zeroes in on how crazy that statement is, he, he doesn't kind of recant. He moves on and he says something even crazier. And that way, whatever thing previously that he had said that was crazy it kind of just hangs there in the public record because as the media moves to keeping up with the next crazy yard line he's throwing down the field, we're not going back and making sure that we're properly rebutting or discussing the crazy stuff he said before. So that stuff kind of stands on public record. And he knows that, and that's why he's been trying his adamant best in these last couple of days to have this whirlwind 
rally session. Because that is the only way in his mind, and I hate to say it in the practical results we've seen, that is a key for Republicans holding in, uh, holding strategic seats that they could, uh, at least according to the lead-up polls to tonight's results, they could be losing. So, look, he's he's went off the reservation a couple of times. And, oh, my God, I just realized how bad that statement is, and I'm part Cherokee. Whoops. I really got to check my lexicon of language here. But Donald Trump, straying way away from the asylum, has kind of joined people in saying, look, <clears throat> if, the Repo- if the Republicans lose, this is because of the deep blue conspiracy, uh, hacking by the Democrats who are possibly linked through the Russians because we're the GOP, not linked to the Russians. The Democrats really are, and they're using Julian Assange as a front. I'm... You- you really got to go down the rabbit hole here and, and and understand that once they make one crazy statement, it is nothing but a whole slip and slide of craziness to come. But when it comes to Donald Trump and, and his apocalyptic attacks, his, his painting these doom and gloom scenarios as he does constantly... It seems that the major objective of that, the, the, the major in-game goal, is him having the ability to say, you know what, when the Republicans lose districts that they thought were secure, these victories are, much like Brian Kemp is doing, much like Steve King is doing, much like a lot of other GOPs are doing right now, these victories are not legitimate. Now, the thing is, is that Donald Trump has stopped shy of saying riot in the streets, but he has definitely kind of dog whistled that if the Republicans lose the House and if they lose both the House and the Senate, that this is going to be the worst moment in American history. And you as a concerned citizen, uh, you being the people that attend his rallies, you as the concerned citizen need to get out there and rise up and fix what went wrong. And if that's not kind of an underhanded kind of, you know, call to go into a revolution, then I don't really know what is. And this is the thing. Donald Trump, Unlike a Steve King and unlike a bunch of other people within the GOP ranks right now, Donald Trump enjoys the ability, I don't know how, of being able to get away with making some pretty terrible, very directly racist statements and not, at this point, suffering much political backlash from it. But this midterm election is actually going to test the threshold of when it comes to other people within the GOP, people like a Steve King, can people not name Donald Trump run on a ticket of open racism, of veiled white supremacy, of pro-getting rid of Roe v. Wade, not really caring about women's reproductive health, uh, rolling back social protections for the transgender? For the LGBTQ community, 
in whole. These are things that when it comes to who can get away with it, it seems that Donald Trump can, but no other Republican can. And I know that a midterm election is a referendum on where the president is taking the country, but kind of as a sidebar, one of the things that's going to be interesting to see in the results is, oh my God, in this sidebar, who really is able to get ahead running under misogyny, sexism, uh, veiled white supremacy, uh, open racism? White privilege kind of propping up security managers. Um, Who will be able to win that is not named Donald Trump? As time goes on, we seem to be a lot more uh, skeptical of these guys. With Brian, Kemp, and Georgia saying that this this whole thing that could unseat him, this, this whole fact that a, a minority woman could be in the governor's office instead of him, is a conspiracy. It's a hacking conspiracy versus this is a kind of a social movement. This is kind of a people having a referendum on where they think the country is under the leadership of the GOP. And if you don't like the way the results are going, maybe you should, I don't know, using the whole football analogy, huddle up. Pick a different play. Hell, at this point, It seems like everybody all the way up to Donald Trump is trying to pull the fourth quarter Hail Mary. And they're all going for the same goal line. Political polarization. And Trump seems to be the only one that when it comes to political polarization, specifically political polarization that he riles up in racist terms or racist lines, I should say, He seems to be the only one that truly now, in this time, is getting away with it. Now, before in the 2016 election, of course, when there was the big, I guess you could say, referendum on social progress. Doesn't that bother you that it could possibly be what the 2016 elections were? A referendum on whether or not we were wanting to have all that great progress like other countries, or if we wanted to say, screw it, and march ourselves back to Jim Crow days. Boy, we made a weird choice there. But in the future, when it comes to looking back at this election, this one, district after district after district is going to kind of, how do I say this, test the resolve of this far, far right movement or test the results of everybody else in the centrist and mod, you know, the middle, and even your left-leaning Democrats, how much are they going to be encouraged to actually mobilize and vote? Now, in some states like Texas, it's so weird, the early run-up voting numbers were higher than the last election cycle. Think about that. Early voting for a midterm election had higher results than the last time we elected a president. That should not be the case, but it was. But in these kind of, uh, what do I say, run-up numbers, you have to wonder, have the Republicans, through Donald Trump, through other congressmen, through governors, through, God, even here in the state of Hawaii, 
uh, people running for the state house and even the Maui, Maui County Council, they're buried into some crazy conspiratorial right-wing stuff. And tomorrow will be the test. Or should I say, today will be the test. Tomorrow we will wake up with the results of knowing whether or not people not named Donald Trump can get away with racism in this country. Can get away with with just being not good people. And you know what? You have to appreciate this moment in time for that very reason. That here it is in the 21st century, the United States, on a fundamental level, has an election that will determine whether or not we want to be racist, backwards, scientifically inaccurate, a theological run along racist lines, you know, white nationalism. I don't know why Trump, when every time he says white nationalism, he leaves the white silent. Maybe it's a New York thing I'm not understanding. I am from the South, by the way. But when it comes to this whole nationalistic movement, is Trump the only guy that can benefit from it? Because in his rallies, he's tried to kind of invoke, hey, all of these guys that I am uh, out here rallying for, they're all with me. They're all part of the good guys. We're all nationalists. We're all trying to get this this whole government thing taken away from these terrible socialists who want to give you health care and stuff. Yeah, one of the big threats that Donald Trump has made in his rallies lately is that there's going to be an invasion of all these South American people, and we're going to suffer under the throes of a, of a socialistic system like Venezuela. Um, Venezuela is a dictatorship that's thinly veiled as socialism. It's, it's, it's kind of like calling a Snickers bar healthy when, in fact, you know it's a Snickers bar. Remember when they had the healthy ones? They're not too healthy, were they? <laughs> Neither is the Venezuelan socialism actual socialism. And when Donald Trump says, oh, these, rep- these, these Democrats are just trying to give you the, rep- the Venezuelan socialism. They're trying to just take away government from all of us good people. The election results will show us whether that message resonated more with his base or did the message of, oh, my God, government got really screwed up in the uh, election. Maybe we should go out and all participate in the election process. From liberals, from centrists, from moderates. Is that going to be the defining thing? Because at the end of the day, here's the thing. In district after district across the United States, the Dems are ahead. The only problem is, is that Democrats have a major, major problem with translating those people polled into people that actually go to the polls. I'm not calling Democrats lazy, but I am saying that there is a major disconnect between what they say they're going to do and what they actually do on Election Day. Now, I said this yesterday on my social media, and I, I tried not to repeat it today, but it goes without saying, verbally here, no matter what side of the political aisle you're on, you need to vote. Because if you don't, not only are you... Well, not helping your side, you're actually giving power to the other side. 
And as we saw in the last election cycle, giving power to, quote unquote, the other guys, the guys that, you know, we didn't vote against by voting for somebody, those guys have a rotten plan for this country, and we should all be a little pissed off that we didn't get out there and do something about it when we had a chance. Well, today is your chance, and you should take it. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do. And if you don't do it, if you don't, keep in mind that it's not just a thing about you didn't vote for somebody. It's you didn't vote against something you did not like. And if you don't like misogyny, and if you don't like racism, and if you don't like gerrymandering, if you don't like detachment from reality, then vote against those principles by voting for people that would not do those things. Just go vote. That is all. Till next time, love you, mean it, get in, bye.